You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? And we're back for a Heroes Reborn? Return? Which one are we, Franny? I think Return. Return's the better one, because Reborn was... That means we would have no feet in the style of... uh, Oh, my God, what's that Deadpool artist? Oh, Rob Liefeld. There we go. I don't (laughs) think we want to be Rob Liefeld. (laughs) No, we don't want to be Rob Liefeld. Uh, But, yes. If we we Heroes Return, we get George Perez, another great artist. (laughs) There you go. Or, you know, if we're doing uh, Rebirth, we're doing Jim Lee, right? There we well, some cases that's a win. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's what you know. What imagine if is being returned, so to speak, <laughs> and uh, we're here. We've been we were on a little hiatus. You know, we were dealing with uh, our our own COVID in our own way, and the crisis of Infinity Gauntlets, Secret Wars that happened, and unfortunately, we can't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it's exactly true. You know, uh, it's it's just it, we have to we have to move on. But uh, our show, Imagine If, is being resurrected. So we are here. We are here to talk about resurrections in the comic books. We're going to talk about your favorite re- or our favorite resurrections. If you want to talk to us about your favorite resurrections, and let us know. Like we want to talk. We're literally going to talk about characters who died, and we never thought were coming back, and but did. So you know your your Bucky's your Superman's, your, your Jason Todd's, Jason Todd's, uh, yeah, you know all, all the the characters that you know it's be, it's become a thing where superheroes don't stay dead, but for the longest time there were characters that you were just like, no, you don't touch, you don't bring them back. Uncle Ben has not come back from the dead, so to speak. So, yeah. I mean, we lived in a world where Gwen Stacy was gone. Yeah. Now, now she's a Spider Person. She's been in. She's been in the movies as Spider Gwen, and you know it's it's crazy. So it's yeah. I mean, there was a precedent that, like when a character died, this was it. But now it's it's all over the place. So, like, but I will say, in some cases, it makes for some good stories. Oh yeah. If, if you bring them back with some type of agency, like it, it makes for great stories. Spider Gwen's character is, is amazing. Like it's a it's a great thing that they brought her back from an alternate dimension where she got bit by the spider instead of Peter Parker. Like it makes sense. Uh yeah. what about Karen Page? Has she made her way back yet? You know, I, I was really surprised. So I think it was Daredevil six hundred, right? And they had this whole idea. So this was when Charles Soule was writing the book, and he was pretty much the author during the whole time of Netflix Daredevil, right? Mm-hmm. And he was teasing us. And, like, they had this variant cover by uh, – uh, uh, Str- oh, my God, I can't think of the names right now. I'm losing it. <laughs> I didn't retain all my memories from it's the just, It's just rusty. You just uh, got to knock it off. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, so this high-profile artist did a variant cover, and it has – like Daredevil kind of like laying down in a field, no mask, and he looks up and he sees Karen Page offering a hand and you can see the sun behind her. So it's like, well, is that the light at the end of the tunnel? What does it represent? 
And I totally, totally thought it was going to be the return of Karen Page just because uh, Deborah Ann Wool did such an amazing job with the character. And even the writing team, the directors, like everybody gave her a huge spotlight. So I thought, okay, well, she's the only thing missing from Daredevil's life. And they didn't do it. Yeah. So, like, I guess Kevin Smith is the ultimate Grim Reaper when it comes down to it. <laughs> uh, there you go. So, yeah, Karen Page is another character. I, I'm I'm assuming that maybe in the future we'll get a, a version of Karen Page from an alternate universe where she got blinded by radioactive material and became the Daredevil. <laughs> you know, you're not too far off because, okay, so right now, just a little Daredevil plug. So the comic book series, okay, this uh, volume six, I believe – it's ridiculous because Marvel has just gone one issue crazy. But anyways, the, the volume by Chip Zardaski and his amazing art team. So they've like they're gonna they're they're promoting this thing called One More D Day. So it's in the pre- premise of Daredevil's Logan, one more or Daredevil's logo, and then one more day because of the Spider-Man Mary Jane fiasco, right? Right. And so it's like, uh oh, could we be getting Karen Page back in a very interesting way a very manifesto uh, way yeah and then what's even more wild is the artwork basically it kind of looks like daredevil's or not sorry it looks like iron man's helmet but with like daredevil horns and painted all red so it's like what is gonna happen this is crazy interesting so, interesting uh, you might be barking up a tree that's gonna happen here pretty quick <laughs> Well, so before we get into our favorite uh, Resurrections for the week, uh, let's go ahead and get into that spinner rack because it's new comic book day. Yes. And actually, just real quick reminder, we have new comic book days. That's so, right. Um, there's, there's been a big change. Like DC Comics has just had enough of Diamond, so they're taking matters into their own hands. So on Tuesdays, you can go to your local comic shop and pick up DC Comics. And then on Wednesdays, you can get everybody else. So it's a good thing. It's a bad thing. It's up to you. You know, you've just got to make the most of it. But here we go. So this Tuesday from DC Comics, there will be Batman's Grave number nine. So that long series is still going on with cover and art by Brian Hitch. Um, It looks kind of interesting. That one, honestly, I would probably really recommend picking it up as a solid trade just because sometimes these stories read better in one sitting. But if you like that long drawn suspense and mental game, then I definitely say pick them up in the monthly. Dark Knights, Death Metal number three. This is the book where it's all happening. Like, there is so much crazy shenanigans. I'm sure uh, spoilers are always fun, I think. So we've got um, the Batman Who Laughs. Like, I think he's called the Darkest Knight now because he has the power of Dr. Manhattan. So, like, talk about crazy. Alternative universe Batman, who's infected by the Joker, who now has the powers of Dr. Manhattan. This is crazy. Like, too much. Yeah, no (laughs) kidding. Batman already wins as it is. So, it's like, what? I mean, (laughs) is this kind of like Emperor Joker, but, you know, with Batman kind of thing? Yeah, it's like Emperor Joker taken to, like, the multiverse level. It's insane. That's crazy. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to find out what happens. And then also, um, last week, if you can score a copy, good luck. So I think it was called Dark Knights Legends of the uh, Death Metal. Sorry, Dark Knights Death Metal Legends of the Dark Knight, I think the book was called. And so it was a collection of stories that featured the origins of these new evil Batman. Like, we learn about how Batman became a T-Rex. We learn (laughs) about how Batman became Gotham City. 
But one of them is interesting because we've been seeing this like artwork about uh, it's called the Robin King. Right. So it's one of those evil little Robins and he's got a crown and like the Batman who laughs has been favoring him. Right. So you're like, oh, OK, well, which one of his little Robins is it? OK, so this is a big spoiler. One of the that that little Robin, the Robin King, mm-hmm. he's actually Bruce Wayne. Oh, that's interesting. Dude, this kid is sick. Like I flipped through it real quick. Just kind of curious. Holy moly, man. He kills his own parents. You know, before, oh, God. Before you yeah. said uh, uh, a little Bruce Wayne, you know what I thought? I thought uh, Evil Morty from <laughs> Rick and Morty. <laughs> it it kind of looks a little bit like that. Yeah. You know, like, hey, Robin, I'm going to need you to take these batarangs and stick them way up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. So, yeah, he is a twisted kid. If you read his origin story, be prepared because that famous scene with like the bat crashing through the window or falling in the well, he winds up taking a bat and like dissecting it. And you're like, whoa, kid, That's... <laughs> you're a bit much. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah so uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal number three will be out. Uh, the story, a lot of we've, we've got a lot of reveal early on, which is exciting. So it's going to be interesting to see where it takes us. And then also, if you missed out, issue one of Dark Knight's Death Metal will be getting a second reprint. So there's still hope to get it. And speaking, and speaking of reprints, Deceased, Dead Planet number one will be getting a third printing. I was just floored with Deceased. Tom Taylor has a way of creating character and not just like characters, but creating character within like his Dinah Lance is amazing. Like I want her to get a comic book by him and you know, yeah, I guess you could stick Ollie queen in there, I guess for some people to be happy, (laughs) but he just does such an amazing job. Um, And what's great about this is so deceased happened. It was a six issue series. Uh, It got a one shot and then obviously it's done so great. So they said, okay, let's do some digital first chapters. So they've done like, I think they did one would be considered a prequel and one would be considered like that lost time, you know, like, oh, here's what happened in the five years between or something like that. Uh, They're both, they're all right. I mean, I didn't check them out, so I don't know. I I just didn't get into it because I got scared that it was going to be like Marvel Zombies where they're doing so much and bleeding it to death. (laughs) But... (laughs) Um, in this case, Deceased Dead Planet. What's really exciting about this is the original artist, uh, Trevor Hairsign, is back. So Tom Taylor and Trevor Hairsign are back. They're together. So this doesn't even feel like a sequel. This just feels like issue seven, you know, like if the book continued. Um, I've been reviewing it. I love it. The first two issues have really knocked my socks off, so I highly recommend. So there you go. There's a third printing of that. Uh, Detective Comics is getting up there. We are at issue 1,025. So two months from now, get ready because we're going to be at issue 1,027. So it's going to be nuts. Uh, Issue 1025 actually ties into the Joker War, which surprisingly has been really good. I am digging it. Um, I I left Batman. After Tom King, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to focus on Batcat, um, save some money, and who knows if Batcat's ever going to (laughs) happen. It will. It's Tom King. Guy is going to win at DC. But anyway, so, but yeah, I've come back and I really dig it. Uh, Flash is hitting 759. It's crazy. I'm so glad to see these big numbers back, but it's going to be tough when you're filing your comics because you're like, wait a second. (laughs) Um, 
But this one is exciting. So this is a new storyline. It is going to be called Finish Line, okay? So I believe it's a six-parter, but this is going to be the finale of Joshua Williamson's run on The Flash. Wow. This guy, I believe he started or he was the second writer during the New, 50 era, new 52 era of Flash. He has done some amazing stuff. Um, I'm going to be flat honest with you. I did not like... I, I once Barry came back, it kind of killed the Flash family. And I know that sounds weird, but it's like if you go back to the days of Wally as Flash, we had Bart, we had Wally's twins, we had Linda, we had Jay and Joan, we had Max, we had Jesse, you know, so yep. like we had an actual family. Yeah. And once Barry came back, it's like, okay, well, they all got neglected, they all got left to the side. Um, yeah, they pop up, but they shouldn't pop up. There should be like. Flash is strong enough that you could have two books. You just got to come up with, you know, like you could have Flash, which is the Adventures of Barry, and then you could have, I don't know, Flash, the fastest man alive, which is the Adventures of Wally, and just tell their stories. It would sell. The fan base is there. Now, let me ask you this, because what you got? If I understand, I mean, if I remember correctly, I mean, you were before this. I mean, you were a huge Barry fan, right? Like you were. Oh yeah, that was my Flash DC fan, like Barry. I mean, but his return definitely changed up his character. You know, you didn't have the bow tie wearing science is the first thing kind of bury anymore. And, yep. uh, and it got rid like you're, you're state, you're stating now it got rid of the, the flash family. Like, so has it changed your opinion of Barry at all? Like, obviously you still have your memory of silver age, Barry Allen, but like, has it changed at all because of this changes of his character? Oh, yeah. It, it really has because it's like now, like, I guess I'm more of a Wally fan now just because <laughs> as he got Hal Jordan, you know, <laughs> like, they just took him and, and not to necessarily not to necessarily say like he went parallax. But then again, you know, if you were like, I imagine if you're a hardcore Wally fan reading Heroes in Crisis was tough, but it's like they took Barry and it's kind of like what they did with the the Flash TV show, but like the '90s one right. with John Buckley Ship. Barry was dead. I mean, he had been dead since like 1985, 86, and then here they are, like 90, 91, maybe even 92. Hey, we're gonna do a Flash show, and I get it because you can't explain the origin of Wally without explaining Barry Allen, so he's not cut and dry on his own. And that's been the problem with Wally and Kyle. I don't see it as a problem. I see it as a legacy. It's more connected, but. You know, you got to get creative if you want to do it. So anyways, long story short, Barry Allen had to become Wally West. And it's like, if I want Wally West, I'm just going to read Wally. Like, I'm going to read his adventures. I want to see him. Yeah. Barry is the guy that, like, I miss when he used to have Sunday morning breakfast with his family, like his mother and father. Um, you know, his his the love of his wife, Iris, and, you know, just all of it. But now it's gone, you know. Instead, it's like... You know, Barry is this big flake. He's he's a giant jerk and, you know, he's always late. And, you know, and it was like, well, yeah, he would be late, but he did it on purpose, you know, like, oh, you know, this way they'll never suspect, you know, or yeah, he was fighting Gorilla Grodd. Now it's just like anytime I come back to the flashbook and this isn't a knock at Joshua Williamson, he's doing great, but I do kind of get annoyed seeing that where it's like this big flaw in Barry's character, because I remember reading that big flaw on Wally's character back in the, you know, early nineties. So yeah, I just, I've, I've kind of leaned more towards, um, enjoying Wally a lot more than I did Barry. Um, 
Which, I mean, yeah, like I'll go back and I'll read, you know, Green Lantern, Flash, The Brave and the Bold by Mark Wade, And like, I'm, I'm right there and I'm like, oh, I missed that, Barry. I just feel he hasn't returned. You know, yeah. that's, I guess that's where it's like, it'd be interesting. Like if, if I got to do my own crisis and I'm trying to fix the DC universe, I would bring back the 1986 Barry Allen. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you fear that maybe like, because that's the, the big problem not so much i don't want to say problem because i don't have a problem with it but that's the the perceived problem by people outside of dc that read comic books like dc is a bunch of of uh boy scouts right like superman being the biggest one like he's he just he's overpowered and there's no way anybody can be that good all the time and barry has that issue too like he his original character was just a good guy. He's just straight up Boy Scout, science, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, not everybody, but the the, the, the biggest opponents to DC are like, oh, the only good character over there is Batman because he's he's a little bit darker. He's he's more Marvel than anything, right? And so across like, the line and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Like, do you think that you could still have that Barry in, in today's time? Oh, big time. Okay. Like, you know, I mean, you put him in because like, okay. And they've played with that idea, but it's like, he's an honest cop, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know he's CSI, but he's still a cop at heart. Yeah. And you put him in those situations, you know, you put him in where a dirty cop is like, I need this evidence tampered with, you know, or his partner is totally, you know, falsifying evidence or even worse yet, you know, because they always insert continuity. What if he had a former boss and it's like he's going through old cold cases and all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, you know, like, can you imagine the turmoil that he has to face being a good man in a bad department, you know, or even then you don't have to play it necessarily because I get it, you know, that might be getting a little too favorsome to one side of things. But, you know, put him in a situation where he's too good and now the mafia is like, hey, we're going to go after Iris unless you do something about it, you know, and. Like you can like to see as much as we want to see, you know, guys who cross the line and and stuff like that. We also love to see people who who walk the line and all the struggle that they have to go through to stay on it. So I think I think he could totally exist. Um, He'd be perfect for it. You know, it's you, you can still tell those stories and keep that character you know, wearing a bow tie, reading comic books. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just, that's just wanted to bring that up. Yeah. No, no, it's, that's fun stuff. Uh, so yeah, no, but, uh, finish line is starting. I know I'm going to jump back to the Barry books. I really want to check this out. Um, I have high hopes just because Josh Williamson, he really won me over when he did the return of zoom. And I guess I should be more specific with the return of, uh, Professor Zoom, the reverse flash. Right. He just, oh man. So, and then also he did bring back Zoom as well. So that's exciting. So I'm just looking forward to uh, when the Flash family is all back. But yeah, this is going to be some exciting stuff. So jump on it now. I have a feeling that this will probably sell out and go second print. So you heard it here first. <laughs> uh, let's see. Green Lantern Earth One is getting a sequel and it'll be released this week. Uh, They'll have the volume two graphic novel. And this one looks a little bit exciting because um, they're going to go outside of the green. If I remember correctly, I know they are featuring the yellow lanterns, the, 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 the Sinestro core power. I don't know if they'll necessarily call it that, but, if I remember correctly, I believe I saw some uh, promotional art that was teasing John Stewart 
as being the receiver of this. So that's going to be an interesting uh, look at the you know the early days of Green Lantern and their friendships. Now I know that they're making John Stewart out to be like more of the he ends up with a bunch of different color rings, but how is he going to be a Yellow Lantern like Fear? Like I don't I don't get that. You know that it'll be interesting. Maybe like with. You know, maybe uh, they could play with the idea that him being a former Marine, you know, maybe he's still just in the thick of it. So his look, his attitude, his demeanor still represent that, you know, that that fear or maybe even he could even have fear, you know, play with his potential to have PTSD and and what it's doing to him. Like it, it traps him and the ring kind of liberates him. Could be interesting to see. Let me uh, let me ask you this. Um I know I haven't read any Green Lantern uh, in a while, but are they still? Because I remember towards the end of when I was reading, like Red Lanterns weren't necessarily evil anymore. Like they just were able to harness their rage, right? Like, yeah. Are there going? Are there still whole cores that are evil? Uh, like the Yellow Lanterns? I know towards the end, once again, towards the end, they were the green and the yellow were having to work together because that was John Stewart's mandate, but that was falling apart. Yeah. So, okay. So, right now, the Green Lantern books are over, or sorry, the Green Lantern book <laughs> is overseen by Grant Morrison. Um, and he's just kind of doing a hard dive into revisiting the Silver Age Green Lantern John Broom stories. So we haven't seen, like, you know, nobody else's, like, Sinestro popped up, but even then we didn't really see him using the yellow lantern energy, you know? Yeah. So the last you saw, yeah, like, the Red Lanterns, I think they kind of found their niche as being, like, punishers, you know? Like, okay, we're good people, bad things happen to us, so we're going to make sure nobody else suffers that fate. Okay. So I think people have been enjoying that. Um, if if we had to say, like, who is entirely just, just evil – I guess you're probably looking at your, uh, you know, the, the Black Lanterns because that's death and they're trying to destroy the living. Um, Larflees, just because the, the morality of the character is very, you know, he's just greedy. And um, probably, like, when somebody comes back, I'm pretty sure the Sinestras will be evil just because, you know, that's, that's the greatest way to play them, you know. So I think, yeah, we're just down to three evil cores. But... We have um, since, I guess, since Jeff Johns has left the book and even like later then, but in the Rebirth era, we were introduced to the Phantom Ring. Right. And so the Phantom Ring was controlled by Frank Leminski, and he kind of, he was definitely a bad guy, and I don't think things ended too well. You know, like he was like, oh, well, I learned from my mistakes. No, I think he's definitely going to be bad. Uh, then you had in Justice League by Scott Snyder, he introduced us to the um, ultraviolet spectrum, and that definitely looked evil. Like, those guys were something else, so I wouldn't count on them in the help. And then Brian Michael Bendis is introducing us to the Gold Lantern. Um, he's obviously a legionnaire or a legion of superhero kid, but we don't know. We don't know what the potential of the Gold Ring can do. So, now, now I guess we're at 12 core. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. But yeah, so, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, these Earth Ones, they're definitely like origin stories, but revisited in a modern light. So yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how they play up Jon Stewart and even the, the fear energy. 
Uh, let's see. Moving along, though, we've got Green Lantern season two, number six of twelve. Um, so again, going back to it, yeah, this is this is all Grant Morrison. He's definitely taking over the books. It's been interesting. Like, it's a shame because like Hal Jordan is my de facto favorite character. Um, I don't see myself reading this book as much, though. You know, it's just been like, oh, it's here. I mean, I'm getting it, but I just haven't been like, okay, when it comes out, I got to read it. So I've definitely got some back issues to read. Um, I haven't read any of season two yet. Uh, the good news is, though, with DC was going to have a big, massive changeup. A lot of people were calling it G5, Generation 5. Uh, that was actually going to cut Green Lantern down to being six issues. But since there's been a change at DC Comics, we're back to getting 12 issues. So who knows if Grant's going to stay longer. I will say, though, Liam Sharp is the artist. Oh, my God. You, like, look at his panels. Don't just enjoy the main feature of the image, but go in and look around. They're beautiful. Just amazing stuff. Uh, let's see if there's hype. There's always hype for the Justice League of America. So Justice League of America, the Silver Age Omnibus will be getting a new edition. So if you want to get the first appearance and the um, early adventures, they're all there for you. It's $100, so it's it's quite pricey. Uh, Silver Age stuff has its moments, but it is a struggle to read through. <laughs> <laughs> so that could be interesting to see. Uh, Superman is hitting issue 24. So again, that's Brian Michael Bendis. He is in charge of the Superbooks. They've been, I don't know, I, I just kind of lost interest, but this cover is kind of interesting because it's got Dr. Fate as well. So who will be under the mask of fate? We'll find out. Uh, Wonder Woman issue 750 will be getting the deluxe edition hardcover treatment. Wonder Woman issue 760 will be out. And this is going to be an interesting trade paperback. Um, it's called Wonder Woman, The Many Lives of Maxwell Lord. So basically, obviously, with the, the announcement and the upcoming Wonder Woman 1984 film, we're going to be seeing a lot more of Max Lord. Like he'll actually be coming up in the Wonder Woman books pretty soon here. Uh, but this trade will, cre will collect his first appearance back in 1987's Justice League number one. Uh, we will then see the big moment when he was finally revealed as a villain in Countdown to Infinite Crisis number one. And then, you know, his death and his resurrection and all kinds of wild stuff. So if you want to take a tour de force into the character of Maxwell Lord, there you go. Something I found interesting, though, like, I mean, every character, there's a fan base out there, you know, like no matter how much we may think of them, somebody out there loves them. So it's wild. I found this uh, this group on Facebook that I'm a part of. I believe it's called uh, Justice League, the Giffen de Mattis era, right? So definitely the whole Bwahaha League. Wow, I did not realize. And it makes sense, but a lot of the fans there are just mega angry at what happened. Well, the character assassination of Maxwell Lord. And it's like, huh, that's interesting because... Like, I guess I didn't take it to heart because to me, I don't know, like I can appreciate Max Lord, but he always was scummy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so once he went full scum, I was like, yeah, I'm not surprised. You know, it's but, progression. We, you knew that's where it's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it is wild to see some of the fans like, you know, some of them are like, hey, I'm okay with it. You know, he's getting more story. And then some fans are like, nope, that's not my Max. And it's like, so it's very, very wild. But I will say, um, the, the the actor's name escapes me, but I am really excited to see him play Max Ward Lord oh, in 1984. Pedro Pascal. There we go. I think he's a heck of an actor, so I'm super hyped to see what he's going to bring to the table. 
All right. So that's all your DC comics. That's a lot. <laughs> uh, let's see. Moving along, we can see. Let's see what's the big stuff here. Well, it looks like it's going to be mostly from Marvel Comics this week, in my humble opinion. So we're going to get Amazing Spider-Man number 46. That's leading us up to Amazing Spider-Man number 50. I was really having high hopes that... Um, Amazing Spider-Man, like this series, was going to undo the one more day, one moment in time. Like it was going to be the third part of that supposed trilogy. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. So it's up to you. Um, I have been on Spider-Man since the days of JMS, and I have left Spider-Man with his last volume. It just it hasn't been capturing, so it's, it's up to you. Um, Captain Marvel is flying high with issue 19. And <laughs> it's kind of funny. The title is kind of cool here. Captain Marvel, the many lives of Carol uh, Danvers. So she's another character who's gone here, there, and everywhere. So if you were inspired about Captain Marvel and you've been checking out um, all her adventures, but you don't want to go and have to buy all the back issues and whatnot. This is a great trade because it'll have her first appearance way back in 1967. I didn't know she was that old. Uh, Marvel superheroes. Number 13. We'll get the famous miss Marvel number one. So that was a huge moment in comics. Um, and we'll see a lot of her ups and downs and it's going to be an interesting trade. So you'll get to rediscover her from starting off as a uh, undercover agent of NASA, uh, then finally meeting Marvel, gaining powers, becoming binary, and then becoming Warbird, and then finally to the big moment when she became Captain Marvel. Um, so that's pretty wild. You know, this was funny that I thought when she finally became Captain Marvel, I think that happened in like a Spider-Man team-up book. Really? It's so wild, yeah, that it's like, this is a huge moment, you know, she's taking on a legacy and it happened in, you know, a team-up book that's just kind of there. <laughs> no disrespect, but yeah, I thought that was wild. So there you go. If you want to discover more about your your heroes there, there there's some traits. Uh, Empire is moving quite along. We are already at part five of six. And get your Empire checklist ready because Empire Avengers part two of three Empire Captain America 2 of 3, and Empire X-Men 3 of 4, all of those will be out. Um, I haven't been reading it, like, just because I've I've been tricked so many times with these crossovers. And with this one, it's really going spacey. And it's funny because I don't really care for Marvel space outside of the Guardians of the Galaxy. So it just, I don't know, it, it kind of looks like it's a rehashing of the Kree scroll war, which isn't bad, but if you're a young Avengers fan, I definitely would recommend saying to pick it up because, um, Hulkling and, uh, AKA Teddy. And, um, he's been having just a crazy time because he is both the heir to the Kree and the scroll. So crazy. crazy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Ghost Spider, since we were talking about Gwen, she's on issue nine. That'll be out this week. This one's pretty exciting. Hawkeye Free Fall number five is going to actually get printed. So there was a while there just due to COVID-19, Marvel decided, hey, some of our books, we're not going to print them. And it's like, what? So I know I would have been mad because if you were going to buy Hawkeye, this five-issue miniseries, you could get issues one through three physical, and then four and five were going to be lost. So it's like, what a rip, dude. So I'm so glad Marvel has decided, you know what, let's do it, do the right thing and print them. And if you are a Clint fan, issue number five is going to change everything. Ooh. I'm not lying. I'm not lying. Like, I don't know what's going to happen to Clint next. And I'm both worried and excited. So, yeah, um, Rob, 
Matthew Rosenberg has just totally wow. He threw a Clint for a, a twist, all right. And that's rough. <laughs> it's all about that. <laughs> uh, but great miniseries. So yeah, definitely check it out. Um, Hellstorm. So he's coming to television, if I remember correctly. Correct. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. his uh, his show is coming out on Hulu here pretty soon. Okay. Well, if you are interested, there is a Hellstorm. Evil Origins trade paperback coming out. So again, this will feature a lot of here's his first appearance and here's some of his pivotal stories. So that's going to be out if you want to learn more about this character as he comes to your TV screen. It looks like he's going to be uh, popped up mainly to go against uh, Lucifer, right? Isn't that the show that they have from the DC side? So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's the same kind of idea. I, I don't think he's going to be solving crimes with a cop or anything. But yeah, uh, and I don't know. Does he call himself uh, Lucifer Hellstrom? Also, like I, I think he just sticks by Luce or by Hellstrom. Um, and I think I don't actually. I don't know if he is named Lucifer because I, I thought I read he, that somewhere. But I remember him being in that. Um, what was that Midnight Suns oh, mini yeah, that they had recently? There we go. He's Damien Hellstrom. Damien, that's right. You're right. Damien Hellstrom. Yeah. So, so over on the DC side, you have Lucifer Morningstar, and on the Marvel side, you have damien hellstrom because he's the son of the devil not not the devil himself yep exactly yeah so yeah that's crazy (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's see uh and here's a fun shout out heroes reborn captain america trade paperback uh it's getting a new printing so if you want to read the return of captain america to the marvel universe post heroes no i'm sorry i'm totally wrong here heroes reborn uh that is the stuff we were just talking about that is uh that is Rob Leefield, and that's where we're going to get the that. big barrel that, chest. Yep, that's sideways, and he's like three feet wide. Holy moly. So, yeah, that's going to be out. So if you want to collect those adventures for some strange reason, I would just say go to the quarter bin. You could probably find them there. <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of makes sense with the Deadpool being as popular as he is right now. Like People are probably snapping up as much uh, Rob Liefeld stuff that they can. Yeah, and I'm sure the guy's going insane, so <laughs> that helps. Yeah, I mean, Rob Liefeld is pretty much already out there. <laughs> there is no need to say going when you're already there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Immortal Hulk will be hitting issue 36. This series has just been something else. So, um, And I love the, the description of the issue. It just says, no happy endings in all caps. So if you've been reading this series, of course you're going to be on it. Uh, if you're looking for an interesting take, I would definitely say check this out. Uh, Marauders will be hitting issue 11, and this one is pretty wild. They bill it as the Queen is Dead. So it looks like we're getting the funeral of Kitty Pride. So that's going to be pretty wild. And I know that's going to tie into what you're going to talk about later. So just throwing that little wave you your go. way. Yep. Kitty's gone again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider number five will be out. Uh, Spider-Gwen Amazing Powers will collect some of the back issues there, so there's a trade paperback. Symbiote Spider-Man Alien Reality will be out. That is a neat concept that Marvel was playing with for a while, where they were getting some of their older creators to come back. So in this case, it was, if I remember correctly, I believe Peter David. He came back. uh, Peter David and Greenland, they teamed up. Uh, They decided to take an alternate U and basically say, look, what if Spider-Man kept the symbiote? So what would his adventures have looked like if he decided to stay with the Venom symbiote? Pretty wild. Uh, Good-looking stuff. Venom hits issue 27, and X-Force number 11 is out. So that's on your spinner rack. A lot of crazy stuff. So shop wisely. I mean, Eddie Brock is another one of those characters. Like He died of cancer. Didn't really expect him to be coming back. 
Yeah. No, that's true. Like they straight up like the poor guy, man. Like it's like, okay, let's get rid of his alien symbiote. Okay. Uh, let's kill him. Okay. Let's make him, you know, like they just kept beating the man down and luckily I guess Tom Hardy saved him. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Getting into, uh, the, the, alien or the resurrections now like we definitely wanted to talk we want to talk about the characters that came back because we are coming back we are back so uh two versions we each picked two and two characters that really stuck out to me uh my first character is uh colossus pietro rasputin is that how you say is it pietro because pietro is 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 uh um Quicksilver's name. So is it just Peter? Piatur? Well, I, I think it I think it was I, I always in my mind I always say it Piotor. Okay. Like almost like pilot, like Pi Pytor. There we go. Pytor. Uh Pytor Rasputin because like definitely like when they first introduced him, they're like, Hey, it's Peter Rasputin, because that's totally American. Yeah. And eventually it's like, okay, now that people have come to love this Russian character, we can finally say how you would say his name in his Piotor. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. That's how I read it in my head. <laughs> uh, but Colossus, Colossus dies of uh, the legacy virus. What what year was that? Ooh, I want to say like I think it was around two thousand, two thousand one. Really? I always thought it was earlier than that, but yeah. Well, so the legacy virus definitely hit early. Like it was basically an allegory for the AIDS uh, uh, epidemic. Pandemic, yeah. And epidemic. so. Like they had it there, and then finally, when there was the cure made, that's what Colossus did because Beast was like, Hey, I made this cure, but unfortunately, to activate it, it's going to kill the person who activates it. So they didn't want to use it. And yeah, that was because when they killed Colossus, it was right before the X Men movies came out, and it was just, it was like literally the issue right before um, Cyclops came back. And I was like, What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, early 2000s, and what, he finally came back 2004? I assume that was, it. it he sacrifices himself because it saves his sister, who was most likely dying from the legacy virus? Actually, she had died of the legacy Already? virus. Already? Okay. Yeah, yeah, they had a big issue there that it, it, I think it was, it really hit Jubilee because she was the last person in the room, and she saw Ileana die. Uh, and Ileana's been since resurrected as well. Yeah, I mean, but she <laughs> but, uh, she's got all that magic power, so to speak. Magic. Oh my god! Yeah, so. yeah, they did some wild stuff with her. But yeah, so um, yeah, uh, yeah. So he basically did it in memory of her. He was like, "Hey, I know exactly what it felt like to lose someone, so I don't want anybody to go through that pain." And that's why he made the big decision. So then, fast forward to Astonishing X Men. What two thousand eight? Two thousand four. No, really? Yeah, I'm dead serious about that one. Yeah. Oh wow i I thought I remember. I thought we were already like hanging out in friends by the uh, by the point this astonishing X Men came out. But if it was 2004, I was still up in Phoenix. So yeah, I was still out and about traveling as well. Yeah. So 2000. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So only four years later, uh, <laughs> Colossus comes comes back uh, in on Break World or. Yeah, Breakworld, right? Is that what it's called? Uh, well, yeah, that was the that was the alien group. That's their home planet that uh, helped to resurrect good old Peter. And uh, uh, Kitty Pride being the de facto leader of the X Men at this point because she was also the he- new. No, she wasn't headmistress at that time. It was uh, Emma, right? 
Yeah, that was Scott and Emma were sharing the duties of of the Xavier Academy. But they ask her to come back and be a teacher, and and uh, they go into outer space because they have to go after this guy who. Uh, it's what is it? Another oh, the X Men are going to destroy their world or something like that. And meanwhile, don't we also have the cure going on? the The mutant cure going on 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 Earth. Yeah. So the Break World people, I forget what their what their race is called, but yeah, they they came up with this apocalypse that it was going to be they were destroyed by a mutant, and so to get rid of mutants, they came up with the cure. They brought it to Earth, and. Uh, Dr. Oh, was it Rayo Katva, I think was her yeah. name. They gave it to her. And of course the X-Men hear about this and some X-Men are like, Hey, this is great. And some X-Men are like, don't you even dare? Like that's quote unquote genocide, you know, stuff type of thinking. Yeah. Like in, in you get, you kind of get that a little bit in um, X-Men three, the last stand, you know, you have characters like rogue who literally cannot touch another person or uh, a lot of the Morlocks that look you know, terrifying to people. So they can't be accepted. Um, Beast. I mean, the whole point of beast blue furry version of him is because he wanted to get rid of his oversized hand and feet because it made him abnormal. uh, And he ends up becoming blue and furry instead. So there's all kinds of uh, precedent for this cure for the, the mutants that don't tend to look like regular people like Jean can walk around and, and, and not be stared at because she obviously just has, she looks the normal, so to speak, quote unquote normal. Well, yeah, well, cure is definitely an interesting idea. Cause I always think of a uh, chamber from generation X, right? First time his powers activated, it took off his jaw and part of his uh, chest. chest. Yeah. Like, could you imagine that guy is like, dude, my powers are a curse. But at the same time, it's like, well, if he gets cured, would that hurt him? You know, uh, Cyclops, you know, it's like, you know, his power. And I know a lot of people will be like, oh, boohoo. But, you know, he he can't take off his glasses, you know. So it's like he's constantly living, you know, knowing that it's like my fingers on the trigger. I've got to be super, super careful. Right. So, yeah, there's definitely a precedent for characters wanting to take the cure. So, uh, eventually, as they're running around in Break World, trying to find a find something there, they we we get hints that there is a resurrected mutant down in the middle of the the this complex, and uh, and I remember I, most people were expecting it to be Jean Grey Phoenix coming back from the dead, being resurrected, but instead Kitty Pride opens up this safe, this vault, and there it is her beloved yeah they threw us for quite the loop man they even because your creative team on that was uh joss whedon and cassidy john cassidy and wow they drew up some fake art like oh next issue the phoenix you know so we're like oh my god it's it's uh, it's gonna happen Those sly devils. They gotcha. They got us all. But yeah, I mean, it was an interesting return, and 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 it was, you know, uh, he was was he metal at that time, or was he? Yeah, because it was not till later that he was like couldn't couldn't metal up again, right? That was like after. Yeah, uh, I think they Kitty came back. After. Yeah. yeah. So he definitely, he when when Kitty first sees him, he's definitely in his metal form. So it's you know still maybe that doubt like, oh, is this really him or is it something else? 
Uh, but then he finally does armor down, you know, and you're like, okay, this is totally, this is Pete. And then what was the explanation of his uh, still being alive? It was because he was brought back by, like, literally from the strand of DNA by the the people of Breakworld because he was going to be a, a secret weapon or something like that. So, okay, so I found it interesting because I actually wound up, because we had talked a little bit about this early, um, and I was looking at some of the issues because I remember in the X-Men books, they actually took, like, Kitty took his body, had it cremated, and spread his ashes back in Russia. And it's like, okay, like, the character's dead and gone. <laughs> you know, like, there's no revival. I mean, granted, it's X-Men. Um, but so basically what they did was they inserted continuity, and so they had it that that alien race, the Breakworld people, grave robbed. So they actually took the real body of Colossus, left another body there, so Kitty spread fake ashes, and they used their medical science to just revive him. And it was like, wow. So uh, the story was a little bit deeper or stranger than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's almost reminiscent, or at least the new story is reminiscent of this one, of the the body of uh, Wolverine, right? Like after he was encased in the adamantium, like when they did the whole Wolverine, Wolverine return storyline, like, Oh, the body that was actually in there wasn't his anymore. It was changed out or some stupid bullshit like that. And yeah, they love to, they love to do those little plays where it's like, even though we broke the TV trope and you saw the body, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> but you know, the end of that astonishing, uh, X-Men storyline, storyline doesn't end well for the, the the couple because eventually kitty to save earth phases a giant bullet so that it, it passes right through earth that break world had shot at earth which was going to destroy it and she then is stuck inside that bullet for a very long time until she returns and when she returns she doesn't have quite control over powers and all that stuff so you know once again uh we throwing in the hey you remember you're gonna get that relationship back well not so much <laughs> yeah, he definitely teased us for a loop. All right, so here's a deep question I have for you, because I know you have a really good respect for Colossus. Do you, in your headship, do you see him with Kitty, or do you just say, you know what, let's go somewhere else? Yeah, I would say that in my headship, I would definitely say the two of them end up together. However, I like what they've done with Kitty. Like, you know, putting her with Star-Lord. Uh, if you were... If you were on uh, Ultimate Marvel, like she was with Peter for a little while, right? Um, That's right. I forgot about that. So there's the idea of her not being stuck to just the X Men is not bad, and it it it, it grows her up. Like especially the her being with Star Lord, it grows her up. It makes her so she's not the the teen sidekick of the X Men anymore. That's true because she does. She's one of those characters. I was talking with Rafa about that, where it's like. You know, like it's it's very interesting. There's eras of X-Men um, and it kind of always starts with the arrival of a new student. So it's like we have, you know, the back in 1963 X-Men number one, the arrival of Jean Grey, you know, um, then, you know, giant size, the arrival of the international X-Men. And then the after the Dark Phoenix saga, that's when we get, you know, the third run is the arrival of Kitty, you know, and then it goes up to the arrival of Jubilee and stuff like that. Um, 
And it's funny because the others get to grow up and stay up, you know, like the new mutants, they're all adults, but Kitty does get stuck in that phase where it's like, oh, she's such a great narrator character. And, and so it's like for every time she progresses, then they, the next writer comes along and is like, no, I want my teen Kitty. I want to make her grow up. Yeah. 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 So yeah, the, to me, yeah, they do eventually end up together, but having them spread their wings, so to speak, is not, not a bad thing. Yeah. Well, I, I just I found it interesting because I think it was right after the whole Avengers versus X-Men thing. Um, so Colossus was part of the Phoenix Five. Um, he wound up being on the run. And so that hooked him up with the X-Force team. And for a while there, he had a little romp with Domino. So I found that to be an interesting See, relationship. Mix. And like the, that's two people I would not put together. Um, obviously, Domino loves to... Not, I don't, I don't want to say sleep around, but she, she's very risky. <laughs> she knows. I mean, she she's been Cable. She's been with Deadpool. She's been with uh, Wolverine. So it's 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 someone that's living life, so to speak. And and even though you know Peter likes to come off as or he he's an uh, uh, a gentle giant. He's an artist. You know, even when he had the Phoenix Five power, like he created weird creatures and flying whales and stuff like that but he's an artist and and not that domino isn't but she's more practical so to speak she uses a different canvas to spread her art she does <laughs> she really does so i i yeah. would not have i would not have guessed colossus and, and and domino together yeah i think it was just a neat play to get that like because even though colossus has grown up and whatnot he's still you know pd pure heart as Wolverine used to call him. And, um, you know, Domino is very much, you know, so it kind of felt like that, that older seductress with that innocent schoolboy. So I think that's why, I forget who wrote the book, but I think that's why they wanted to play out that relationship that way. <laughs> you know who I kind of, like when you were talking about like uh, Colossus being with, in a relationship with someone else, who the first person that came to mind, I have no idea why she came to mind, was, uh, what is it, um, Mojo's right hand girl the lady the uh, with all the arms yeah gosh darn it i i can see her name but i can't picture off the top of my head is it domo what was it domo no i don't think it's that i want to say it's like it's not spiral but you're on the right track i think it is spiral is it spiral okay i think so i think you're right like i think that would be an interesting relationship for him like they obviously don't go together either but i don't know something weird yeah well, I think they're that that strong, silent type. You know, I think that's there. You that's go. The get from those two. Okay, so who's your first resurrection you want to talk about? Okay, so since you went Marvel, I'm going to jump in with Marvel as well. This one blew my mind. So a little bit of backstory, just because I'm always long winded. So here we are, 2005, right? And so 2001 september 11th happened and that was huge and obviously the whole comics industry was like how is captain america going to react to this and we were all desperately waiting for the captain america book to happen and it finally happened Captain america number one volume four uh by john a raber and john cassidy and it was huge it was exciting and then of course comics you know they keep going they keep going they keep going um it led to robert kirkman writing the captain america book okay now recently had some um, discussion being put out there that Kirkman and Marvel didn't get along, you know, so whose fault that is, I couldn't tell you, but I will tell you this as the comic book reader, we suffered Um, just because those issues 
were horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I can the positive of comics. But anyways, so I really thought about dropping Captain America. Um, and then luckily, Diane didn't take me off the card just yet. So the next volume of Captain America comes out. So volume five, um, issue number one by Ed Brubaker with art by Steve Epting. So, okay, it's in my pull stack. I get it. I read it. Okay, this is wild. You know, and then they're alluding to this like, all right, who's this guy with the metal arm? What's he all about? You know, and unfortunately, it's one of those like, quote unquote, first appearances. You know, it's like, well, it's the first appearance of the Winter Soldier, but it really wasn't him. So it laid this mystery out and they weren't even calling it, you know, the whole like Captain America, the Winter Soldier. It was all called Captain America out of time. And you're like, okay. And they were just slowly peeling back layers. And then finally it happened. Uh, issue six came out and they told us that this quote unquote winter soldier is actually Bucky Barnes. I was floored. Like, <laughs> did you just say Bucky Barnes? No, it can't be. And it was beautifully done. Um, you know, we were told back in Avengers number four, 1963 or 64 that Bucky died, you know, both cap and, and buck were on that plane Cap slips off, goes into the icy waters, is frozen till he's revived. Bucky was just pure explosion. But Ed Brubaker was like, nah, man, what if he fell off a split second early, or later? So, you know, the explosion happened, which tears off his left arm. Um, and then, you know, he also lands in the same cold waters. But this time, the Russians wind up getting there quickly. They pick him up because they're like, Hey, you know, maybe this Bucky's got maybe this Bucky guy has super soldier serum in him as well. Well, they were totally wrong. Um, instead, they wind up reviving him. So he's kind of dead. Like, you know, his mind's still in a coma, but his body is still having reflex and it's having fight or flight syndrome going on a lot. <clears throat> so they brainwash him. They put him in stasis. They revive him. They get him to do these things. <clears throat> um, it was just so amazing. Like Ed Brubaker, and even right now, Rafa and I were doing a big read through with. Uh, Grant Morrison's Batman versus Ed Brubaker's Captain America. So you can read those articles on geekleetmedia.com. But going through and reading this, like, it's just so fun revisiting it. And I was blown away. I didn't think we would ever get Bucky back. And not only is he back, but he's a fan favorite character. He's popular. Uh, just because Ed Brubaker did it, he, he made the character have a heart that we're rooting for. You know, it's like, here's a guy who... Because I think it was issue 11 or 12 of Captain America, this volume, where it's that big confrontation that we see in the movie, you know, where they're facing each other. And it's like, I'm not going to let you go. And Cap finally has the cosmic cube. And it's funny because I remember at the time, so this was a different era. This is when message boards were cool. <laughs> So, of course, everybody on the message board was like, it's not Bucky. Cap used the Cosmic Cube to make him think he was Bucky. And it's like, May maybe they're right. So I went back and I pulled out my back issue and I looked. Nope. All Cap did was he had the cube and he's like, remember who you are. And it's like, oh, my God, it really is Bucky. We've got him back. And, yeah, he has just been a phenomenal character. Great story that led to... I, I think you might be in agreement with this, but it's definitely in the top three of the MCU films, but Captain America Winter Soldier. Oh, like, yeah, it's, 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 it's up there. Yeah, and yeah, we wouldn't have any of that without this volume of Captain America and the return of Bucky. And 
you know, the return of Bucky. How ridiculous, but how amazing. <laughs> I mean, that had to have been another one of those. It's like a, a huge surprise, right? Because no one's expecting Bucky to come back to life. Oh, nobody was. Um, I've been reading some like old interviews and whatnot. And I believe the editor, like, so Joe Quesada was editor in chief at the time. Um, and the straight editor on the book was Tom Beverut. And like Ed Brudebaker had to sell him on this. Like he's got this idea and we've all seen the results of it. But when he first pitched it, Ed, uh, Tom was like, no, dude, like nobody's going to care about Bucky, you know, just cause that stigma was so there. And, and yeah, we didn't know, we didn't know that we were going to get the return of Bucky because like I said, the story was called out of time, you know, um, the winter soldier, you had no way to connect that those two were going to be the same character. So yeah, it was just, it was so out of left field, but it was so amazing. <laughs> so, which, you know, I know we talk about this often, um, but like back in the day when we used to read and collect wizard magazines, uh, they used to have those, that one page that was dedicated to the verses, the, you know, you pick a character for one, one company and pick a character for another company and did the verses. Well, their April fool's issue episode or issue one year had the <laughs> Jason Todd versus uh, Bucky Barnes uh, and instead of like putting the two of them up against each other as living characters they were like well they're both dead so it's just skeletons laying on a field and I think it was like a crow comes over and picks up uh, one of the, uh, like Bucky's skull and they're like okay well Jason wins then it's like kind of thing yeah exactly uh, and the whole idea behind that is that, you know, Jason Todd and and Bucky are two characters that aren't touched. They, you know, they died. They will always stay dead. But yet, as you're talking about with you and Rafa doing the, the two storylines together, talking, having this conversation, they brought both these characters back around the same time. Like, yeah, yeah, it was crazy um, because, yeah, then we had the under the hood story, which did so amazing that they made a movie adaptation and it's probably the one of the best DC animated films. And we're even getting like a sequel prequel with yeah. that whole Batman. And yeah, like to the fact that they brought him back was amazing. How they did it was horrible. <laughs> Superboy <laughs> yeah, Punch, Super Boy Punch oh. aren't great. When they decided to give him the book and then he also went in a Lazarus pit and then also went to uh, Nanda Prabhat to, to uh, train and stuff like that, it, it, it helps it out a little bit. It's better than just a Superboy Punch. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it was like talk about... I don't know, a weird kismet or something. You know? I was like, just whatever was in the air at the time, Judd Winnick and Ed Brudebaker were like, let's bring back these sidekicks. Now, and who knows? Maybe they're friends and they're like, hey, let's make <laughs> a bet. Let's see who does it better. And they both won. We who, won. <laughs> who originally wrote the Under the Red Hood uh, storyline? I believe that was Judd Winnick. I think he's Judd the Winnick? one responsible. Yeah. Okay. So do you give credit to judd winnick for bringing back jason todd or do you go back to jeff Loeb during the hush storyline when you saw the Clayface version of him uh under the the wrapping that's a good question so i'm gonna be honest with you i i i gotta give it to ed brubaker <laughs> i'm just gonna give it to ed brubaker because he did it better with bucky anyways guys that you mentioned no um no i i definitely gotta say i i give it to uh judd winnick just because it's one of those things where everybody's done that issue where they've teased you know like you know spider-man's in a crowd and he sees a blonde-haired woman in a, a a green jacket he runs over she looks like gwen but it's not gwen you know so everybody's done that 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 fake out 
And so that's why it's like I would definitely say Judd Winnick was the one though who stuck with it was like nah we're gonna we're gonna have it happen for real. So I I, I give him the credit for bringing uh, Jason back. So do you think that in the Hush storyline that was like hey Jeff do you think you could throw in like a returned uh, and it doesn't actually have to be Jason Todd but like a version of him to see what it like if fans are accepting to it like because I know that was one of the that was one of the who's hush like it uh polls like is it Jason Todd and like I always thought that was a great one and then at the end of that is when when you was it Alfred finds the domino mask in the in the Batmobile and you're like well wait if it was Clayface it wouldn't have been a there wouldn't have been a uh a domino mask, right? Yeah. So, okay. So this is interesting because I decided to pull up and look. Um, so hush happens in 2003. Jason Todd returns in 2004. So, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe he did, or maybe Jeff Lowe had an idea and it just didn't fall through. And somebody else picked up the strings and was like, Hey, let's, let's, uh, let's play with this. You know, I want you to take it and, and go with it. Um, so I don't know. That would be a really interesting behind the scenes, like, you know, a little documentary. How, how did Jason Todd return? You know, I would, yeah, I would love to see that. I would love someone to just go and talk to all the editors and, and creators that were working at DC at that time. And and starting back in the, the summit room, you know, like the, the, Hey, we're going to do this big old hush storyline. And at one, one point in time, we're going to make people believe that it's Jason Todd returned from the dead and see if, if it just, culminated from there that'd be pretty cool yeah that'd be a wild find out (laughs) okay sticking with dc going with my second resurrection um is is kind of a a weird backstory too because when i started reading comic books like really reading comic books my green arrow was connor hawk like he he was the version that was kind of an auxiliary member of the jla uh, which is where I first got introduced to him as because he had the issue where like he came to visit and he was like picking up some of his dad's stuff because at this point Oliver Queen had already died and uh, he really didn't know him all that well but he knew him and he was going to pick but I believe I don't know who it was but they like uh, uh, some kind of organization had gotten onto the JLA watchtower and had taken over and he had had to leave his arrows behind but in the trophy room was his dad's trick arrows and he has to use the handcuff arrow, the flashbang arrow, the boxing glove arrow. And he just <laughs> sit there. He's like, how did my dad do this? This stuff is ridiculous, which comes out of what that comes out of golden age, right? Like all the, God, yeah, the, the trick arrows and stuff like that. And, Hawkeye does the same thing. He has he has trick arrows too, but like we've seen it in the Avengers movies, like where they've, changed up his trick arrows it's it's arrowheads that do a bunch of different things right yeah so yeah or just like you know like different types of bullets as opposed to yeah yeah it comes like boxing glove at you <laughs> and in the, somebody way over there <laughs> and in the in the arrow tv show you you have uh Stephen amell's oliver queen every once in a while use a bolo tie arrow kind of thing or handcuff arrow but most of the time it's just straight up arrows now uh when you get to oh what was the year kevin smith jumps on to um uh green arrow in 2001 february yeah april 2001 february 2001 somewhere around there uh brings back 
Oliver Queen in a quiver, his 10 issue quiver storyline. And it was just great. Like you see this Oliver Queen that's a homeless man. Like he's got this makeshift hood on. He's got the great big beard. It's it's the version of Oliver Queen you see being saved or found on the island, right? After cuz that's the Oliver Queen's the uh, origin story. He's a rich kid that wild. Now that I think about it, I wonder did did that inspire the origin story because I think Quiver comes out before Green Arrow year 1. It right? does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that'd be interesting to see how much like, hey, it's a good idea. Let's have this guy be totally crazy transient and superhero. <laughs> so yeah, um was it Phil Hester uh pencils and Kevin Smith coming in to write a DC story which like before this he'd done his Daredevil stories, right? Um yeah, yeah that um Guardian Devil. Guardian that was the first and- time up. A mainstreamer came into comic books. <laughs> Had he done his? What is it? Is it Nightwing? Did he write Nightwing uh, or did he wrote Batman? Yeah, though the the, the uh, cacophony and Whitening Guyer and all that other stuff. That still isn't complete. <laughs> what's the other thing that's not complete yet, though? Daredevil, the Target, the Target. That's what it was because there's the Nightwing Human Target storyline, and I always get the two confused. I think. Yeah. Yeah, Daredevil Target. He's never finished. Um. But yeah, this Green Arrow, they I guess they were able to just keep him pinned down for 10 issues to finish it. And he does, and he introduces, you know, Mia, he introduces the 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 rich man that kind of was his benefactor, but you come to find out that he's actually evil and like a satanist or some something like that and sacrificing transient kids and all kinds of bad things. Uh, reunite him with with Connor, and then you get you get a visit from uh, the Spectre, which is Hal Jordan at this point. Towards the end of that storyline, right, and yeah. he gets his soul back. Like he at this point in Quiver, he's kind of just an empty vessel, and uh, it's because as as you pointed out to me, it was uh, Parallax kind of brought back uh, the body of Oliver Queen after he died, right. Yeah, yeah. Parallax and his sorrow was like, "Hey, let me bring back this soulless body, and then I'm gonna go die, and we'll just leave this body running around." <laughs> well, I'm not gonna tell anybody that I brought him back either. He's just gonna go running around in, in his his town by himself. Uh, yeah, you know, from that point on, I was a huge Oliver Queen fan. I I stuck with the Green Arrow book, and then it became the Green Arrow Black Canary book, and then. Flashpoint happens, and the Flashpoint version of 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 Green Arrow, I wasn't a big fan of. It was an interesting storyline, but then we had right after Flashpoint was New Fifty Two, and I dropped off. Like the Green Arrow and New Fifty Two just wasn't hitting it with me. But then Rebirth comes around, and Jeff Johns spoke my language. He said, "Hey, I want Green Arrow and Black Canary to be back together. Like that's that's." the pinnacle uh, relationship kind of thing. Which oh yeah. No, he, he, cause you're right. That was missing for the longest time was Ollie and Dinah. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was, I, I was all for it when we got back to that. Cause uh rebirth green arrow, black canary. I, I, I really enjoyed that book too. So, uh, I'm so happy that I got into, and, and don't get me wrong. I probably, I probably read the issue. I mean, I was already a big Connor Hawk fan. So, and you know what? That's probably because I related to him. Like he was a, 
the son of a uh, you know uh uh he he was two half races so to speak you know like cuz he was his mother was asian his father was american and just felt left out so in my own history kind of feeling that same way i, I connected connor hawk but getting to learn about oliver queen I, I i mean i still haven't gone back and read a lot of the older stuff of Oliver queen and then you know learning that oliver queen is a golden age hero he's he's there from the beginning like yeah it's, it's pretty impressive he's a, a kirby creation really yeah something i did not know Okay, maybe I'm wrong. I'm gonna research it. You you keep going. Okay, that's fine. I because I I thought he was a was he not a Kroll creation? Okay, I am wrong. So yeah, he's created by Mort Wesinger. Oh, and, completely wrong. Uh, Pap. So those were his two character creators. Uh, More fun comics issue seventy three back in November of forty one. See, I mean that's that's it's a character with a lot of history, and I I've only scratched the surface. So. Uh, I am I am happy they brought him back, and he's been around since then, and and only gotten better. Like the injustice version of him is great. The uh, uh, TV version of him, though he's just Batman light, has its 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 ups and downs. So that's that's cool. I can't wait to see the TV the movie version of him if we ever get that. If we ever get movies again, who knows. <laughs> All right, so here's a big question for you then. Okay, so I, I I do these things. Somebody taught me it. It's called an Amazon fish. So you just you know you go to Amazon, you put in DC Comics, uh, you change the settings for books and search by publication date. So next year, 2021, will be the 80th anniversary of Green Arrow. So we're gonna and that's crazy. Um, so we're going to get a big 80th anniversary, you know, Green Arrow book and all that fun stuff that comes with it. But I also found out, and I shared this with you, so there's going to be a trade paperback collection uh, called Green Arrow Connor Hawk. So hopefully that means that he'll be getting a return. So he comes back. What are you going to name him? That's true. Like, like well... You know, the idea that when he was, the both of them around, they were both Green Arrow. Like, he didn't take on the name of Speedy. He wasn't uh, the new Arsenal. Uh, and Red Arrow was around, or, or I mean, uh, uh, Roy, Roy, right? Yeah, yeah, Roy. Roy Harper, yeah. Roy Harper was, was Speedy, then he was Arsenal, then he was Red Arrow. Um, I don't know. I would, I would, I would stick with just calling. You know, if he doesn't want to be Green Arrow, just call him Arrow. Like I think that'd be okay. Nice, I like that. Yeah, because at first I was, I was looking at Connor's uh, history here, and I forgot about that. And this might be exciting because uh, I know you were reading some of that Earth Two stuff, so the JSA of the New Fifty Two, right? Um, so they say here in Earth Two Annual Number One, an archer named Red Arrow debuts and is recruited to join the World Army. He's believed to be identified as Roy McQueen. In Earth Two Number Twenty, it was revealed that his name is Connor Hawk, uh, but unfortunately, he doesn't have a good fate. But yeah, I was thinking, oh, maybe if they brought him back, that'd be cool. Like call him Red Arrow. But you're right. I feel like Red Arrow needs to stay uh, Roy. And then, yeah, just give him the name Arrow. Let him be that. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. Because even if you look back at at Connor's old outfit, like he didn't he didn't wear he didn't don all green like his dad did. He had that brown look, that brown uh, outfit, and he had the green uh, bandana over his eyes. But call him Arrow. I, I think that that works out great. 
Yeah. And I hope he comes back. He is a sorely missed character in the DCU. Thank you. <laughs> so what's your last character? Sorry? What's your last oh. character? Okay, so now this one is like, it, it's a no duh, but at the same time, we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, so my big DC resurrection is Superman. Um, it's the resurrection. Like it's, yeah. it's the one. Yeah. This is what started it all. We, we did not know these things were going to happen. Um, it was huge. Cause if I remember correctly, I think it was Superman issue 78 and it was the funeral for a friend part nine. Um, it had this big cover of Superman flying through the crowd or through the clouds and we couldn't even see him. He had his back to us and it's like, Oh my God. I think we're really going to lose Superman. And, uh, you know, it felt like a lot of the talk was, oh, maybe they're just going to restart the Superman books or this or that. And it's like, I don't want to lose this Superman. I'm, I'm really starting to like it. I'm growing towards him, you know. And this, is, this was the genesis of me becoming a serious collector, you know. It's like, okay, I, uh, these little triangles, they tell me which books to follow and all that <laughs> Um, and it was crazy. So I remember I, I finally got on, I got a copy of Adventures of Superman 500. Uh, it came in the big white bag, you know, as opposed to the death bag of 75. <laughs> so it was, it was there and it was a big, thick comic. Uh, it starts off basically Jonathan Kent's having a heart attack. Uh, he's having an out of body experience, you know, so he's, he's on the, the road to, to the afterlife. Um, and he's running into all kinds of people. And, and, and this book was so good because it's like, even though it's called The Adventures of Superman, Superman's not in it, you know, he's dead. And it's like, so this is all the characters. We see what's going on with Ron Trope, uh, Jonathan and Martha Kent, Lois, Jimmy, uh, Kat, Babowski, you know, we see everybody, what's happening. Uh, we see all these villains and everything. And it was just crazy. Um, and it was really cool because, it, like, I didn't know all about Superman just yet. I had only seen bits and pieces. And even then, I didn't have the full connections to knowing was this pre-crisis or post-crisis. So it was just a reading experience. So it was cool to see, like, what it was like the first time Superman used his powers and his reaction, how he felt. But also to see John's reaction. Um, everything about it, it was just a beautiful comic. And I think what was exciting, too, was at the end we get these pages, you know, and it's, it's all from the, 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 the person's point of view, you know? So they're talking to this lady and she's like, yeah, Superman saved us. There was a big gang war and he just came out of the sky and he took them all down mm -hmm. and, you know, Oh, but he was wearing a giant armor, you know? So it's like, huh, maybe the soul of Superman is possessing somebody. Um, then they talk to the, this woman and, she was doing her laundry and she almost gets mugged. And then Superman grabs the guy, beats the heck out of him, throws him through the wall. And he's like, you know, you deserve it. You know, <laughs> His last son of Krypton. And, you know, now he can shoot from his hands and he's wearing this visor over his eyes. That was the one I gravitated towards just because, you know, wearing glasses, you're like, yay, Superman's got glasses. Uh, um, and then you've got Superboy and same thing. This woman's getting like, or no, this kid breaks out of Camdus labs and it's like, Ooh, what's this mystery? And we know Camdus, they, they don't care. They do all like, they're the Jurassic park people. <laughs> it's like, we shouldn't, but we don't care. And so he finally breaks out of the glass. He escapes. 
And he puts on the jacket and he's like, don't call me Superboy. And you're like, okay. And, and then finally the last one, you know, there's this nuclear reactor that's almost going to happen. He saves it. Then he flies over to the, the, the daily planet and he takes the plaque, you know, and it's like in memory of Superman killed on the spot and he just crushes it. And everybody's like, is it you? And he's like, yes, I'm back. And he flies away and we finally see the light on him. And you can see these cyborg bits and pieces from where he was critically hurt um and that began the whole return of superman storyline and it was just so amazing and then the great part too was of course lois is like no i don't believe it let's go right to it so they go to the big statue where superman's buried and they open it up and the body's gone and you're like oh, it's real one of these four is none of them were that was the <laughs> of it and and i just love the idea too because like all like Superman got killed because of a joke, you know, it's like, Hey, we're going to marry him. And then the TV show said no. So I think it was uh Jerry Ordway was like, well, let's just kill him. Let's just kill him. Every meeting. And finally, yeah, I was going like, to say, he'd been saying that for like years at that point. Right. Like, Hey, yeah. how about we kill Superman this year? And they're like, get the hell out of here, Jerry. Yeah. And so finally it's like, Hey, let's do it. And it was during a slow news cycle, you know, because I even remember here in Yuma, our little newspaper, the Yuma daily sun ran an, ran an article about the death of Superman. It was like, Oh my God, this is so like, it, it's reached everywhere. You know, it felt real. And yeah, like it was just so exciting. And then this gave hope and it just led for some of the most amazing Superman adventures. Like, no disrespect to the Golden and Silver Age, you know, but the the Golden Age Superman became the Superman of Earth 2, and, you know, we saw him go away in Crisis. Uh, we saw him come back in Infinite Crisis and then killed. Uh, the Silver Age Superman, you know, we, we, we saw him go away during the whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, and maybe he's been back, maybe he hasn't. It depends on how you want to count the comics. But the post-crisis Superman, you can't get rid of him. I mean, you kill him, he comes back. You knew 52 him, he comes back. <laughs> you know, he is he is the man. And I just got to say, that was that was such a great Superman. Um, he made me believe in Clark Kent. Just a great character. And so I was so glad to be right there reading these adventures as they happened. So, yeah, that's my favorite resurrection just because it really hadn't been done before. That's and it, you're right. It's I mean, it it helps that it was a slow news day, but like this is the character people think about when they first say comic book to them. Like you say comic books, people think Superman. I mean, we have the word superhero because of Superman, right? Like it's superpowers. It, it all stems back to him. Like as much as you want to knock Superman, if you're a big Marvel fan, you like it's. I'm sorry you wouldn't have it if it wasn't for him. If it wasn't for those stories that were huge, you know, he's the standard. No, it's true. I mean, we uh you you don't get any comic books without Superman because comic books were yeah, they were experimenting, you know. I mean, you had the Crimson Avenger, but clearly not many people know about him. Um, 1938 happens. Action Comics number one. Boom. This is a staple. Every editor in America is telling their writers and artists, go home, come up with characters, you know? So Bob Kane, <coughs> he creates a, a idea of Batman. He takes it to Bill Finger. They polish it up. Boom. Batman. You know, the other publishers, crap, we need superheroes. Uh, okay. More timely comics presents Marvel comics. Number one, human torch. And, um, 
uh, uh, Namer, you know, so that's crazy. And I never, I, I, I learned this and I forget it. Namer is Roman spelled backwards. And it's like, oh, so that's part of his, his deal, part of his, his situation. Um, I mean, you get the you get the Justice League of America, right? Which is all the the superheroes, which includes Superman. And that does so well that Marvel's editor-in-chief goes to the, one of their main writers, Stan Lee, and says, hey, I need a team book. They're doing team books over there. It looks great. So then we get the Fantastic Four and creation of Marvel, right? So to speak. The Marvel First Family. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like uh, Superman survives, Silver Age happens. All right, Justice League it up. Put Superman on the team. It's the best-selling book. The two publishers are golfing. <laughs> Stanley gets homework. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's it. I'm sure no one thought that Superman was going to stay dead, but it took a year before he came back. Yeah, it was something like that. It was about a good year long's worth of stories. So it's and 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 as you stated, there was a new issue of Superman every week at that time because you had the di- the four different books and each one of them followed a different quote unquote Superman. So you had what's fifty two times four? A uh, hundred and eight. God, a hundred and eight books. <laughs> no, that can't be right. Fifty two. Sorry, 50. Okay, so 208. 208. There you go. Yeah, 208 books books of Superman before he came back to life. Like, that's insane. Like, including the specials. (laughs) That's not including the specials. So, there you go. Resurrection. If you have a special resurrection, if you have one that strikes you close to the heart, we want to hear you talk about it. So, hit me up on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia GEM. The GEM stands for Geek Elite Media. Chris, where can people find you online? Uh, definitely, you can find me on Twitter as well. My Twitter handle is stuff I should say should being spelled S H U D. Find me there, and please, I'm doing the best I can to put together comic book stuff. So check out my writings on geekleetmedia.com and my reviews over at Advent or AIPTcomics.com. So I love to share as much as I can, and I hope you enjoy it. And definitely find either one of us on all our social medias. We would love to talk, reminisce, and just spread the goodness of comics with you. If you'd like to talk to the rest of Geek Elite Media, it's at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our website, on our of our network on our website, geekleetmedia.com. Uh, please check out our new Patreon. We have tiers there for you to interact with. Uh, it's Geek Elite Media on Patreon. And last and not least, but please... Please rate and review us on whatever podcatcher you use so that more people can know about our network and uh, enjoy what we have to say, hopefully. Or fight with us about what we have to say. We, we love talking about that, too. But until next time, this is Imagine If on the Geek Elite Media Network saying, always remember to geek, geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. 